welcome to episode 12 of the Nicely Done podcast. I'm Satya. I'm a writer based in Boston. Hello, I'm Amrita and I'm a journalist and I'm based in New York. A special welcome to friends and family that help plan long weekends together. Some of our best memories come from our travels and I want to take this moment to give a shout out to my long weekend crew. So, with 4th of July around the corner, I think this is the perfect time for me to ask you, how do you feel about long weekends? Oh my god, I love long weekends especially now. I don't think long weekends is that big of like a scene in India because yeah. you don't take that many long weekends. Everyone's so generally consumed by their work week. So no one really takes it, but in the US I've just kind of noticed that like it's almost encouraged to have like Fridays or Mondays off so that there is a long weekend. It's great. I cannot wait for 4th of July. I know you're going to be here and uh, yeah i i kind of love long weekends but i kind of hate how there's this whole not pressure but there's this whole expectation to plan so much around it yeah i would like every other long weekend to just be a couch weekend hmm. i was actually going to ask you that i think uh, long weekends are great i love it and who doesn't but there it comes with this innate pressure of like then saying what did you do over the long weekend some of my friends have actually talked about how there's even regular weekends there is this thing of like on monday when you get back to work when someone's like so how was your weekend people do feel the pressure of like saying something cool or like not even cool of saying like they did something otherwise there's just this feeling of like everyone out there is like living their life doing these amazing things which are on display on social media and you are not doing much so i think like this weekend anxiety kind of is a new thing for this generation so for this episode we are trying a new format uh before we go into the format uh i wanted to address that 2020 was a strange year for all of us collectively and also at an individual level while together we've experienced many things in common like staying in isolation uh working from home and all of that on an individual level i think we've all had very separate unique struggles So on New Year's Eve of 2020 there was a lot of hope that 2021 will be different and everything will somehow suddenly change. It's halfway through 2021 and some of it has changed for some of us. Um different countries are at different points in the recovery and that's really true for even individuals. It's the same at an individual level. We're all coping, adapting and getting back on track quote unquote at a different pace. and this is bound to happen because we have different goals limitations and resources to cope so amrita and i spoke to five amazing individuals that we know and we asked them about their takeaways from 2020 and how's 2021 looking so far right so these are the stories of how these five people came shining through a very hard year through despite everything here are their biggest learnings first up is one of amrita and my very close friends anushair we met her at xavier's when we were doing our masters in journalism and mass communication she has gone on to do some amazing things she has a masters from tata institute of social sciences and now she is preparing to come to the us for her phd i feel like as a graduate student you're so early on in the immigration process the trust is very low i think the longer you are an immigrant the more you kind of try trust the systems but like yeah. so early on you're just like okay the paper is not going to come okay yeah, yeah, yeah. art is not going to happen so i feel like it's 
you are more on the negative side of this is not going to work out yeah you feel that pressure a lot more yeah and actually i was uh, talking to some people yesterday who graduated in 2021 so like in march they graduated and you know their stories were the same it was kind of really you know you ask them oh, so how is your graduation and they're like oh you know what it was like online and these are people who studied very hard all their lives to get into school to get like to go to amazing colleges and they spent a year and a half from home uh not going to the campuses that you know they really intended to and or were excited for so it kind of is a little bitter sweet i think to have that experience i would i'd imagine if i had to do like a year of my graduate school from home i don't know if that would be you know the same experience but so i can't wait to hear what anusha had to say hi my name is anusha ayer i'm from india and uh, i'm going to start my doctoral degree at radgers university in childhood studies this fall that is fall 2021 when i first uh, started my phd application journey uh, the cases in number of covid cases in india was reducing and uh, countries were opening up their borders and i thought everything is coming back to normal uh it didn't even occur to me that there would be a second wave and how that may affect uh my phd results me going to a different country my visa application etc i didn't even take all of that into consideration at that point and uh, i thought it would just everything would just come back to normal uh but despite that i think at that point there were uh, many things that uh, indirectly affected my application procedure um some things were in my favor some were against me for example most of the colleges waived off their uh, gre requirement which was a huge relief for me because i think personally i'm not great at math and i hated going through that competitive examination system uh and uh, it was a lot of pressure for me so there were some students like me who gave the gre in any case but it was not mandatory for the admission requirements and i think that took the pressure off a lot and uh, and that's because of the pandemic because of the pandemic most of the colleges decided to waive the gre since many centers would be shut down and they were not expecting the students to physically go somewhere and write the exam um things that did not work in my favor there were many colleges that were out of research funding there were a couple of colleges that i wanted to apply to where uh, the uh, sociology phd course was really good and i wanted to uh, get into those colleges but they the department the sociology department did not have funding and uh, i had to they were not taking any new students for the fall 2021 intake and i had to take the tough call of not applying to those colleges at all in fact i was also planning to apply to a few colleges in europe which i never ended up doing because there was absolutely no research funding especially for social sciences and humanities courses this year so you know one way or the other there were some tough calls that i had to take uh because of these new rules and regulations that came into effect because of the pandemic now that i have gotten an admission uh in new jersey 
I think I have a whole new list of concerns right now. Uh, I believe that immigrating to a different country and going through the entire visa application process in itself is quite overwhelming. But doing all of that during a pandemic is a whole different ball game. Uh, I am part of several Telegram groups, uh, which consists of tens of thousands of members. Uh, Telegram, by the way, is a broadcasting slash messaging platform in India. And uh, all of us are international students who keep updating each other whenever there is a visa appointment or interview that opens up at any of the consulates in India. And the whole process is so strenuous, it's so pressurizing that you need to be on the messaging service 24-7. Uh, uh, in case you miss a message, you have missed uh, booking yourself a slot. Uh, in fact, there was a time period when people said uh, that uh, the consulates open up slots at 3 a.m. in the morning. And I remember for two to three weeks straight, I used to keep an alarm uh, for 3 a.m., get up uh, and try for booking those slots every morning. And uh, then there are also um, observations people have made uh, tracked the timing of the slots opening. And uh, it seems that at the 18th minute of every hour, uh, the consulates uh, seem to open up their visa slots. So then you just keep refreshing your page at the 18th minute. Uh, and this is all so crazy and it's too much to track. And this is another side to this whole story is to get a vaccination slot. Uh, now I understand that in a populated country like India, which also has its own uh, political pressures, uh, many of us are uh, fighting for a vaccination slot. But I think as an international student, it becomes all the more difficult because we have a certain timeline. We need to be there by the fall intake and we need to get both our doses in time. Uh, the slots are not available. The vaccines don't reach the uh, medical centers in time and the website that uh, takes the bookings is slow it's uh, it does not work at times and uh, we cannot take the luxury of booking these slots say a month later or two weeks later or three weeks later because we need to be fully vaccinated before we move to the u.s and uh, US does not approve some of the vaccinations that are available in India. And there are so many uh, ifs and thens in this whole scenario. It's too complex and uh, it's very hard to take any decision. Now that I have a visa appointment and I have uh, had my first dose of vaccination, I still don't feel that I'm going to make it. And people ask me if I'm excited to move to a different country. And uh, although the answer is yes, I'm scared to say that, yes, I'm looking forward to being in the US soon because I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Uh, I think until I reach there, I won't believe that I've made it because anything can change any day. So what I really take away from this entire experience is to just be patient and uh, also not be too excited or too sad about anything because um, every decision is changing 
on a daily basis. One day there is a, there is a department funding, the next day there isn't. One day there are no visa appointments, but the next day a bulk of slots open up. So anything can change. And uh, the key to this entire process is to just be patient and uh, just go with it and uh, probably get excited only when uh, you reach there. That's that's how it is going to be with me. Uh, I know, like just even hearing all of that and we know most of it, but even hearing all of that is just so heartbreaking, right? Yeah, and you tell your friends, how's your uh, thing going? And then they'll say that, you know, it's hard. I'm not getting slots, but just listening to like her daily kind of, you know, what she had to do to book that uh, visa slot, wake yeah. up in the night and just make sure that she gets it staying on top of it for months it, it's just unimaginable yeah since all these incoming grad students must be so exhausted and overwhelmed yeah. and you know the term hasn't begun they haven't started their first year first day yet because once all of that begins just moving changing countries is in itself so overwhelming but yeah. i just feel so much of their mental uh, capacity must be so stretched by now and you know I'm just wishing all of them so much strength and patience and you know you'll get through this and you know you'll have your first year and it'll be amazing and you know everything will happen but uh, higher education is very competitive applying to all these courses and getting in into these colleges is very hard because there are many uh, equally talented uh, people with like amazing backgrounds and you're always second guessing yourself anyway you're like oh am I that good that I'll get into this great college will I get into a PhD program PhD is a big deal right yeah. and yeah. just to like add imposter syndrome is always there but to add another layer of like oh will my country's vaccine get accepted there will I get the appointment and it is so frustrating and um these people are some of the smartest and the brightest, right? And they just get into the survival of the fittest mode. More power to these people coming into the education system in 2021. Yeah, yeah. So from starting a new school in a new program in a new country to starting something completely like wonderful and magical. So our next guest on the show is uh, my good friend, Anuja. I've known Anuja for many, many years, almost a decade now. Uh, we went to our undergrad together in Pune and uh, we were both in engineering school, uh, but we were both big fans of theater and uh, that's how we met. We met in our art circle. And uh, when I, and we've always been in touch, but for the past year, because everything was going on and like we kind of like, we were out of touch for a bit um, I knew that she was expecting a baby boy and I was so excited for this news because I've been very close to her and her husband for many years and this was a very you know exciting news to follow but then she kind of went off the radar and then I think a year later I just saw a picture of her son on her Instagram and I couldn't believe that the baby was here so uh I reached out to her to kind of understand how it was for her to bring a baby into such a hard and such a scary world and um, what her thoughts were as she went through new motherhood in 2020, 2021. So this is Anuja. 
Hi, uh, I'm Anuja. I'm software engineer. I'm a new mom, live in New Jersey. I remember reading something happening in China in December 2019 and that's it. I was back to my happy life, waiting for my baby to arrive in full of excitement. At the beginning of pandemic in March, I delivered my boy. And today, if you ask me what pandemic for me, then it is nothing worldwide or its effects on human life, but something that ruined my birth story. Yeah. A celebration turned into worry and scary moments. Raising a kid on your own without any support or experience around you hampered a lot. Imagine using Google to resolve your daily practical issues uh, and leading every day was so frustrating. Sounds so small and limited, right? But that's what pandemic did to me. Without any realization, I became very weirdly selfish and self-centered. By that time, I realized I can't do anything for anyone really. And it's all about survival of fittest. So working from home wasn't new to me. I was doing it extensively before pandemic as well. And I love it. Work from home for both. Uh, with the kid was literally blessing. We enjoyed each and every milestone and development. So it was really good and happy. Uh, and I still don't have any plans to return to office anytime soon. My focus was only on my family and how I can protect every aspect of it. Be job, finance, health. We were just so focused on empowering ourselves somehow. There was a phase I didn't even realize there are people in this world. Friends, colleagues, relatives, nothing mattered to me. I was on social media platforms to gather information rather than to stay connected with my circle. Trust me, I have followed so many influencers and groups which deal with daily mom problems and I seek solutions. I was quite active on platforms before but in last one and a half year I have posted one post or so we have a kid he's 15 months old now and hardly I don't know if it like people are aware about or know about it and it's a huge change the fact that I don't feel connected or part of world which is outside is amazing but at the same time weird and worrying now as we are going out, people on tennis courts bothers me. If someone invites me over, I feel, why? I'm working on it. In the start, I had to work on reducing my circle and dependency and now I'm again working on its expansion. Lost many connections, relations and I feel like new lonely person, but that's okay. Like many other people, I was not affected directly, but lack of other perspective in life for so long hampered me a lot. This was worst emotional and mental roller coaster ride. I still feel comfortable and safe in my small world. We are still following routine and rules of pandemic. Nothing is really changed yet, except now I can look outside through window and hopefully door will open soon. So that was Anuja and she is raising her 15 month old baby boy. I'm very excited to go see him soon. 
but uh, they're actually very you know like she said she's being so protective about her home and her space so she's not really meeting anyone so mm. it's really changed for her i think they're going to keep living like this for uh, some more time until you know she feels safe to introduce her son back into the world yeah i mean thank you anuja for sharing your experience i feel and this is my observation from like seeing my cousins my sister and even hearing my mom talk about how it feels like to be a new mom i think it is in general a slightly uh i am not a mom so maybe my words to describe it are are slightly off but i feel like it is already to begin with a slightly isolating experience because it quickly becomes about you and your baby and you are just expected that it's your first priority it is your first priority like the the child is your first priority but you know there'll be plans and you because taking the baby along will be hard you will stay back with the child you know everyone else will like continue to like do everything maybe if you have a very supportive partner you have someone to share that with but i've always felt like with a small baby especially it is already a isolating experience for the mom but hearing this it's just so heartbreaking because you're just like okay there's this extra thing of like parents not being able to travel to come and be with you which is a big part for indian couples right the 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 new mom's mother or father or both travel and come and help out and it's really nice to have that support during that yeah. period of time when your body has gone through a lot of change your mind has gone through a lot of change intuitionally yeah. you have new priorities now like you feel very like focused on the child and less on yourself which is why it's nice to have your folks around because they can like look out for you yeah um and uh, it's very scary also to have a child uh, and i can imagine <laughs> i can imagine how much you must be relying on google and you know once you start googling stuff you are just like it's a black hole it will take you to like some very scary places um so no, just going to say to all the new moms of the who became new moms in a pandemic we see you and we uh we cannot imagine how hard this was and uh just hoping for everyone to come out of this with like as little scarring as possible yes and especially if you're around new moms uh it would be so amazing if we could all think of ways to help them check up on them um even if they don't have the time to keep in touch with us just kind of show some support in whatever way we can because they need our help they need our company um and it it's just such a it's such a like for anuja for instance i know for a fact how much she was looking forward to this and she would have been like you know very and when she said that like the pandemic kind of ruined her you know experience it it kind of felt so bad because all of us like throughout the episode we're going to hear stories of how someone had a plan and someone had something going yeah. and it was going to be amazing yeah then every single person who has been affected by this in one way or the other your plans just can change and you had to then someone 
who we've never heard from on this podcast before which is a male perspective <laughs> i mean this is not about him being a man but i'm very excited to have our first male guest yes so thank you gandhar for doing this and um let me quickly introduce to you uh this amazing amazing musician um so gandhar amin is a school friend and we have kind of grown up together but we've not really been in very close touch over the past few years although i really follow him on all of his socials because that's where he puts up all of his work and i'm so happy and proud to see all of his achievements and he's very 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 talented so shout out to that and gandhar is a musician he's going to tell you what he does uh, in more detail himself he's a musician he's a producer composer and he's a classical flautist so he's going to tell you what he does in his own words but um, here is gandhar talking about how the pandemic kind of changed the way he works and how in 2021 he hopes for that to change okay and uh, the music that you just heard right now was actually gandhar's original composition so we just wanted to give you a sneak peek of what that's like um we'll be attaching his social media handles go follow his music it's amazing Here is Gandhar. Hi, I'm Gandhar Amin. Um, I'm a flute player, composer, and music producer based out of Pune, India. Um, talking about this past year that's been difficult for all of us, uh, more so for artists, and even more so, I'd say, for Indian artists, because India, I think, is still a place where art is a luxury, right? It's not. It's not. It's nowhere close to essential for a large part of. Um, the population um you know in a country where a fairly large part of the population is still struggling for survival you can't expect people to go buy art when they are you know struggling to put food on the table um so yeah i think it's been it's it has been difficult and i think the biggest factor that's played a role in this whole uh, situation has been a privilege to some extent you know having a kind of backing that gives you the ability to take risk and the ability to sort of sustain periods of uh downtime work wise right um for me personally it's been i mean it's been touch and go uh there have been months when uh we'd had we'd had to dip into our savings there have been months when we've surprisingly done well what's helped for sure is i think uh diversifying and being able to do many things and having multiple sources of income uh meaning being a composer or producer or flute player there are m- multiple things that i can do right i can offer my services as a flute player um i can offer my services as a music producer i can compose music for different purposes uh and that i think has played a big role in uh surviving this year um if i was still just a classical flute player which is what i was 10 years ago when i started off as a professional musician um i wouldn't have survived this year i would have probably had to move back with my parents or get a day job or both you know and a lot of people have had to do that uh a lot of my friends uh, that were working as musicians in mumbai uh, uh have had to sort of move back to their hometowns and get day jobs 
uh, and I see that happening even now. There are people who are doing that even today. Uh, you know, so yeah, I think privilege has played a big role. You know, knowing that I have the option to move back to my parents' house, and I'm never going to really starve to death. And I think that is that gives you. Uh, the ability to sort of take certain risks you know um, i don't uh, there are people who don't have that privilege and they can't uh, take the risk of waiting till they reach that point where uh, they're starving right so i think that has been a huge uh, sort of advantage uh, having home studios uh, so my wife my partner swati and i both have studios in our house she's a visual artist um, and both of us always had home uh, studios. We never really uh, had studios outside. And that really helped because work could just go on. You know, we were in the house and working and uh, we could keep creating. And, you know, that helps. And now we're in a stage where we can put out a lot of content that we've created through this year. So it's not really been uh, that empty a year when it comes to work and creating art. You know, uh, personally, uh, there have been ups and downs, of course, there's the, the not knowing what's coming and generally also being scared for uh, people around who are falling ill. Uh, my parents went through uh, COVID and that was a slightly scary time. But uh, I think what's uh, sort of stood out is uh, this has been a time where you find out whether you've chosen the right family right? or you've created the right family for yourself because uh, being stuck in the house with the people you live with is a good reality check to see if you actually like the people you live with. Right? And uh, that was nice for me. It was the two of us. And I it assured me that I've chosen the right person to live with and spend my life with because... I would I couldn't have done this with anyone else around um, or alone for that matter, you know. So, yeah, that's that's been a, a good sort of realization to take away from this. Um, I think, like I said, it is it is it has been difficult. It has also been uh, weirdly nice in a way where you sort of get this cocoon that's handed to you that you can work in you know uh, as artists you're always looking for that space you're always looking uh, to lock yourself up in your studio and just work on uh, art that is agenda free or agenda less I don't know if that's a word but <laughs> that doesn't have an agenda basically so art that's not created for uh, a certain purpose you know you're just creating what's coming naturally to you uh, that is a great place to be in and I personally really enjoyed that you know where there was no guilt attached you know usually when I do that when I you know spend so I try to spend some time every day creating music that's for me and not for a client and not for a film or a uh, whatever uh, but every time I do that there's a certain amount of guilt attached to it say because I'm I'm spending time doing that that I could have spent uh, working on projects that are going to fetch me money, right? Uh, this for the first time was a was a period where I there was no guilt attached because there was no work that was bringing me money uh, coming in. So 
uh, I could just sit in my studio and create music for myself. And that's going a long way. I mean, I already have a bunch of music that's uh, in the pipeline that's going to now come out uh, slowly. Uh, yeah, I think that's been uh, a good thing that's come out of this year. Uh, obviously, not being able to perform live is it's uh, it's something that's been difficult to deal with. You know, as a performing musician, um, I've been performing since I was eight years old, and since then, I've never had this long a period of time where I haven't gotten up on stage. The last performance I did on a stage for real people and not just a bunch of cameras uh, was on the 16th of March 2020. So it's been, I think, a year and a half. Uh, and I don't think I've ever spent a year and a half not getting up on stage before this. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever spent more than a couple of weeks <laughs> away from the stage before this uh, since I started performing. So that's been... Uh, a difficult thing to deal with. Uh, there are these online performances happening, but it's not the same. Having a real audience in front of you is is a high that nothing else can compare uh, with. So yeah, that's that's been the difficult part of this past year as a musician. Yeah, I think I think to sum it up, it it's been it has it is going to change us all. I think it's going to change me, and it has changed me. And it's changed the way I see uh, myself and myself as an artist and as a person. And I see that it's changed the way I see my art and it's changed the way I see the world around me and the world of music. Uh, priorities have shifted uh, and I think it'll be interesting to see where this goes. You know, the, the, there's a statistic that says after these pandemics, the world has uh, grown uh, a lot faster than normal. Uh, <laughs> I can sort of see how that works and I can see that happening to me as an artist and as a person. So, yeah, let's see how that works. That was Gandhar. Thank you so much for speaking to us and taking the time. I know he was uh, recording all day, so this was very nice for him of him to help us out with his thoughts. Um, and um, obviously, I, I thought like so much of it had such great insight. I think that, you know, coming like because he's an artist and like the thing he said about creating art for art's sake, it's something that like a lot of people really, really crave to do. Um, I thought that was so amazing for his own personal, you know, music um, and that he got that time to make music guilt free. I, I did want to mention that uh, he was so right in saying that uh, performing artists were very um, directly affected because of the pandemic. A lot of them were out of work. And when you think of performing artists, you don't just think about those people who have huge auditoriums who are performing for like hundreds of thousands of people. I'm not to say that they were not affected, but maybe they are doing okay. But like the smaller... Um, a performing artist like in India I'm sure everyone can immediately recall like street performers and like you know small uh, uh, per traveling performers and stuff who just probably were completely out of work and you know uh, livelihoods were directly affected and families were affected so I guess this is a great wake-up call for me hearing this that next time I see a street performer I probably tip 10% more than I normally would or like you know 
try and uh, contribute however you can when you see these uh, smaller performers. Next up, we have Ellie Nanstork, hotels editor for TripSavvy. Um, Ellie and I met at Dartmouth College where we both did our Master of Arts and Liberal Studies program. Both of us uh, chose creative writing. She is a wonderful, wonderful writer and a great friend. We've known, we've known each other only for like three or four years, but it feels like she's one of those friends that I, now I look back and I'm like, haven't I known you forever? Um, she used to live and work in New York and now she currently lives in Vermont. She's a complete New England girl. She was working in travel journalism when um, the pandemic struck. And as you can imagine, travel industry and all the adjacent uh, industries to travel were very, uh, were profoundly affected. So here is her experience. Hi, I'm Ellie and I am the hotels editor for Trip Savvy. Um, I've been in the travel editorial industry for a little over five years. So working in the travel industry, and specifically in travel editorial, during the pandemic was not without its challenges, but um, I think what it taught me the most was that people who love to go places and discover things will go far out of their way to preserve the ability to go places and discover new things and, you know, during a year like 2020 and early 2021, where that means travel has to stop, there was just such an outpouring from, you know, tourism boards and uh, PR folks and the travel editorial industry of love for small businesses and hotels and everyone in the travel industry that was struggling. And so, I mean, while it was obviously kind of heartbreaking for our content to take such a, such a dramatic shift and pivot away from the kind of travel content we were so used to creating, it was, it was um, inspiring to see the way that people worked so hard and came together to like support all of these small businesses and hotels and what have you. Um, so that was special. Switching jobs in the midst of a pandemic was not easy. Um, I lost my job of almost two years in, I think, February, and I didn't get my new job until mid-March, and I feel very lucky that I was able to have such a short period of time of unemployment between jobs, um, because I know that, that, you know, lots of people were going months and months without without a job. so. Um, it was a weird transition, especially because I hadn't and still haven't met my new team at my new job. And so going from one job that I was so used to with people, a small team to a new job, new company, whole new team, much larger group of people that I was working with was like a pretty big shift. But I think more than anything, I was so excited to start the new job. It's, it's like my dream job right now. I love my team. It was exhilarating. And honestly, it was like this kind of like pump of adrenaline that I hadn't gotten since the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic and in the beginning of 2021, I was feeling discouraged about working in travel. I was feeling nervous. I felt like a, a you know, dream situation was coming to a close and it was only a matter of time that I would not be able to be in this industry anymore because it's always felt like a dream because I love it so much. I love traveling so much and I love writing about it and advising people on where to go and what to see and what to do. Um, 
and I was thinking that maybe it wasn't the best investment of my time and my skill and my education and you know I was considering making an industry switch um, when I lost my job in February I was applying to jobs lots of different jobs in lots of different industries and just trying to really think outside the travel box because I didn't want to like box myself in essentially and I think that you know, a silver lining of the pandemic was that it did, it did um, sort of force me to think outside the box and spend time on other projects and um, on my fiction writing, which was really good and very fruitful. But ultimately, you know, I'm still in the industry and I'm still very happy and very grateful to be part of the sort of travel editorial community as a whole. Six months into my job, which is crazy, well, six months into the year, more like three or four months into my job, I feel pretty good. I feel... Um, grateful to have a job. I feel like mental health wise, I'm a lot better than I was in January. It was the middle of winter in Vermont, which, you know, can get hard around January, February, especially. And that coincided with losing my, my job that I had before. And so that was a difficult time, not being able to see family, worrying about friends in other countries and friends, parents in other countries, you know, I, I'm so lucky to live where I live in that um, Vermont has been very, very safe during the pandemic. But that being said, it was an isolating situation. And um, and now looking back, I feel like I'm in a much more sort of uplifted place a hu in huge part because I've started a new job and I've, I like the work I'm doing. And I've sort of sat on a lot of those creative projects that ruminated over the pandemic and I'm still working on those, which brings me a lot of joy. Um, but yeah, I mean, if anything, it just kind of proves our resilience, right? I I feel determined um, that myself and my family and my friends and my partner can get through a lot, uh, given what we all went through last year and given what we've seen the world go through. So thank you, Ellie. That was very nice of you to share your experience and uh, it's never easy to really talk about getting laid off and you know having to start uh, because even though the whole went, world went through it last year it it can be hard to talk about I was put on furlough last year and let go off because the company I was then working with did not deal uh, did not come out of the pandemic well so um, and I still feel some amount of like, not shame, but hesitancy sharing about it. So um, thank you for sharing that. And I think we should be more open to share these kind of stories so that people out there feel less alone and less of like, somehow it's a reflection of their personal uh, worth. Be to be in like travel journalism, like in peak pandemic, like nobody was traveling. You're hearing all these stories of airlines shutting down, airlines which have huge reserves of money. And to begin with, journalism itself feels like someone's doing a um, uh, project by putting in their own money. That's how it feels like the amount of money that's going around in journalism. So when you think of a pandemic, you just assume that, okay, now this is going to be the end of it. So when she was talking about like how it felt like a dream coming to an end, I was like, as, a, as someone who's been in journalism, I could feel that, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think specifically for, um, travel writers again it's fueled by so much like the love for travel like I love what she said that you know she loves doing this she loves looking at like places of the world that she wants to tell people where to go and what to do and that is such a gift and like you know we kind of just go on google and we're just like okay great places to eat but 
there is so much work that goes into putting all of that together and yes. you know it is uh, such an important job to kind of open people's lives up uh, to more travel and fill their you know days and uh, days and weeks with good food recommendations good places to go you know places that add value in your life i think that's such a such an important job and i do think that like once the world opens up a bit these are the people people like ellie who we are going to go to yeah. uh, you know kind of and i and these are the people who are going to get all of us through our post pandemic depression uh, yeah. the, you know as it as things open up we need the energy of people like her to kind of be like okay we're go- we're, we're good now we're going to go places so um very thankful for people who do the work that she yeah. does also and- i feel when people talk about industries being in uh, very precarious positions it's it's important for us to like understand that sometimes the company might do okay but they might do away with like a few positions so you again question how important you are to like something it questions like should i be even doing this uh, we're all we build skill sets and then to like switch industries is not easy it's it you have to then almost change your identity mm-hmm. do you remember in peak pandemic there was all of this conversation about you should have two three sources of income side hustles are so important and this can be quite a lot to take if you are not in that space of being able to like do 10 things at the same time for whatever reason maybe you have a very demanding personal life or you have uh, your mental health is not at the point where you can manage five different things also great about uh, i just wanted to bring back your point i think you made such a good point about you know everyone's had these really hard stories and some stories we don't kind of like bring up or maybe people don't want to talk about that part of their life in 2020 something was maybe very hard maybe you lost a job or a loved one and it's been really hard but um one running thread through everyone's stories is how someone how somehow everyone kind of has felt isolated so maybe just opening up about some of these stories um can help and i thought that was a good point that you made and thank you ali for sharing that um next we are going to hear from uh, one of my uh colleagues at columbia journalism school uh she's her name is shivani gokhale and she's a video producer journalist and a lawyer Shivani is a big hustler um and she does a lot of great work with video journalism and uh, right in the middle of the pandemic she actually started making her own video content um ex- explaining north american news to the world and she worked on her projects independently producing and creating and shooting and scripting all of her own videos so uh, we followed her work throughout the pandemic and it's helped us keep our news cycle relevant So this is Shivani and this is her experience of the past year. Hello, my name is Shivani Gokhale and I'm a video journalist based in Vancouver and 2020 was a big year for my career. I have a law degree from India, but I was always drawn towards journalism. So I went to grad school at Columbia University in New York. I worked in Los Angeles for a bit before deciding that American immigration was not for me and moving to Canada. By some random coincidence, My husband applied for his masters to the University of British Columbia and got in. So we took it as a sign and moved to Vancouver. I was freelancing for Yahoo News Canada by then. I was a video producer editor, similar to what I did in LA and India before the move. So mostly behind the camera work. 3 months into our move, the pandemic hit. We were cooped up at home and really bored. 
I've always wanted to try on-camera digital journalism, but I figured I'll do it when whichever company I worked for took a chance on me. But during the pandemic, it just didn't seem to matter as much. Maybe it was just questioning the futility of everything, the point of holding down a regular job, or just sheer boredom. I don't know. I decided I would film just one video and put it up on social media. If it didn't do well, no harm, no foul, at least I tried. And because I don't do anything by halves, I bought a new camera and lighting and got to work. This was when COVID was really spreading across the world, and also when the Black Lives Matter movement was gaining steam. So I thought I would just do a simple news roundup explainer video. I was so, so nervous. I thought people would make fun of my face, home, accent, content, anything. But most people loved it and demanded a weekly feature. So I did that for a couple of months when an editor at The Quint, an Indian digital media company, reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to film similar videos for them. They wanted me to break down North American news for an Indian audience. I thought, why not? And just went for it. Some of the videos went viral. I also started making short form reels for them and got a really good response overall. And then I was approached by CBC to do something similar, as in the long form explainer videos for the Canadian audience. It's the CBC, I had to do it. Those are still under production and will be up soon, hopefully, fingers crossed. Then I was approached by Daily Hive, a digital media company in Vancouver that I absolutely love to create videos for them and I've been doing that ever since. Some of them have been doing really well and I'm very excited about working with Daily Hive. My work at Yahoo eventually transitioned into a full-time position. I've even tried the on-camera explainer style for Yahoo and we're hoping to make a lot more. It's been a lot of work over the past year. I've had to place myself out of my comfort zone, get over my fear of criticism. Yes, that's a real thing and I have it. And work any hour of the day and night. It's also jarring sometimes to adjust to the styles of three to four different companies at once while still maintaining my own voice in the content that I create. But I wouldn't change any of it. Every single video has taught me so much and made me better at scripting, filming, delivery, and editing. And to think that I would have none of this if I hadn't put myself out there and tried something new in the middle of a global pandemic. I love behind the scenes work, but I definitely want to keep exploring on-camera work and see where it takes me. So that was Shibani. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. I thought that that was so great. And, uh, you know, her work really has always inspired me. And I love seeing that despite how hard the year was, she kind of like kept going. And, you know, that's like the great thing. You keep doing something like if you keep doing something consistently, uh, there is so much value in that. And, and it's not only about consumption of what you're creating, you know, it's also about the creation itself. So uh, that was very inspiring. And thank you for doing that for us, Shibani. Yeah, it is uh, her her series of explained plain videos that she did uh, was very interesting to watch and to see that it's a whole homegrown project that she did by herself was also inspiring and I think right before we started the podcast I was watching a lot of those videos and I think somewhere it did motivate me to be like yes I can if I want to do a podcast I can make it and put it out there and you can only learn from it so and her homegrown project has led to more opportunities now and that's a great thing for people to see that you never know who might see it 
and uh, what else can come from so it so those were our amazing guests and we've had uh, such a good time talking to all of them and honestly so many takeaways from this whole uh, experience but um, let's get like personal a little bit so for the past year and a half uh, if the same thing were asked of us what is our takeaway what what have we learned and what are we taking uh, from this year Oh god I've had quite the 2020 I got I, let go off I found a new job I moved cities I moved industries I started living alone I've had to make like big life changes I applied for my visa so it's been very eventful and exhausting year 2021 in retrospect so far 2021 has been almost like a breeze yeah uh, my biggest takeaway is uh, that I feel I feel good that I've come out of the year with like mostly all my mental health intact and uh, I feel proud that I could get through it with being so far away from my family um I've had friends and family here who support me and stuff but it's it's nice to see yourself through a tough patch it kind of makes you feel more confident about you know what else you can deal with about i was a journalist before this and now i'm a writer in a finance in an investment firm and making that change actually affected me a little bit because i almost felt like a part of my identity was being taken away from me i've always i've been working in journalism since i was 18 so almost like 10 11 years i was in journalism so it was difficult but i'm learning a lot it's nice to not define myself with just what i do anymore i feel like I am now able to say that this is what I do this is who I am and it's nice to have that difference now uh not to say I might not go back to journalism or that uh I don't like doing what I am doing now it's a new experience for me a learning experience where I'm learning quite a lot and I'm actually liking it so far what about you do you have any big takeaways from 2020 yes i have also had many many changes like all of our guests and You know a lot happened in 2020 in the beginning of 2020 and I kind of after the pandemic hit um I mean before the pandemic hit I actually had all these plans to uh move um move to the US apply for a visa get a job everything was orderly I knew what I was going to do and it was going to be amazing it was going to take time but it was going to happen and then in march i kind of just thought that okay well are we not doing this now like what do we do and i think for six months all of my uh all of my plans were just stalled um and then i think like anusha said after a while after the first wave kind of started dying out i picked up all my like you know mental paperwork and i'm like okay i must do something with all of this now mm-hmm. and uh i moved um I I quit my job which I uh, loved very much and I loved working with that team um for something very uncertain so I understand when Ellie said that you know you're kind of like you're leaving behind such an amazing team and mm. you know your identity becomes part of that team and part of that like group that helped you encouraged you inspired you so much um and then when I moved to the US and I was staying in your lovely home for 3 months and my sister uh put me up for one month and it was and for a large part of last year i was just waiting right and i was just waiting for my papers to come through for my visa to be applied and then i was just waiting and waiting for the job to begin so i have spent uh, a lot of time just 
taking uh, a step back from everything and now i'm suddenly like thrust into this you know a uh, very high paced work week very um like a very exciting job new job and i i have actually felt like uh, i got a lot of shit done last year <laughs> so this year i'm taking it easy i just have one more on my to do um which is to get an apartment but i think that like you know changing countries getting a visa getting a job and kind of coming out of it with like you said some part of everything up here still okay uh, is a big achievement i too am very proud of you know all the things that i've done and i think that i just wanted to be a quiet year like <laughs> the rest of the year it's fine it's exciting please uh, let's just have let's just all just take it easy and take care of ourselves So that was episode 12 of the nicely done podcast. Thank you to all our amazing guests who came on and helped us get more perspective on the past year. We really value your thoughts and we look forward to following all of your work in the future. We will also link uh, their social media channels and any other related uh, tags in our show notes. So if you want to go give a shout out to Anusha, Anuja, Gandhar, Eli and Shibani please take a look at our show notes yes um and if you like what you're hearing please tell a friend that's the only way that we will get new listeners and we would really appreciate your help and support we're now streaming on all podcasting platforms so uh, find us where you get your podcasts and uh, follow us on our facebook instagram and twitter page come say hello we love it when you do that Uh, this episode was brought to you by the friends and family who have kept us all alive together and healthy some of us were home uh, with some of the people closest to our lives and they're the ones who saw us through this the others stayed on the phone as long as you wanted them to they are our essential workers our rocks and our lifelines thanks for listening see you next time bye bye